Tonight, what I want to talk to you about really quickly, it's not a big thing. Um, I've just been praying for you and thinking, and um, I have a word for you tonight. Um, I want to talk about crossing the Jordan. And I guess what I want us to do for a second is just to rethink our worship, maybe all together. And just maybe rethink worship and our worship aspirations. Um, you know, I grew up um, Southern Baptist, so for us, worship was, um, we had an organ and a piano and a big old choir with robes. And then, um, over the, then, you know, when I was 16, I learned to play a single song, a single worship song. And I'll just be honest with you, the, the way I got into all of this, am I making that noise happen? <laughs> this song gets looked at me and went, maybe, man. <laughs> maybe you have like a real static thing going on in your voice. Okay, <laughs> um, it's possible. Um, I, I, I'm going to just tell you the truth about why I learned to play guitar and how I ended up here. Um, I saw this guy when I was with Youth of the Mission. Um, he was like sitting down by the fountain playing guitar, and there are all these girls sitting there going. And I went, now that is a transferable skill. And um, <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest, y'all. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, he taught me some lessons on his bowl-backed ovation guitar. If you're a certain age, you'll remember those guitars. Yes. Yes, good times. And um, I learned one song, I Will Call Upon the Lord. Remember that one? It's great, man. It's just a one and a four all night long. And I went on a missions trip almost immediately after learning my one song. And um, on the bus on the way to Mexico, the, one of the, the guys said, you can, like, play guitar. And I went, oh, yeah, I can play guitar, man. <laughs> I know two chords. And I have a whole song I've learned. And he went, you're the worship leader. So our worship sets consisted of me. And it sets is a strong word for what we hear. <laughs> our worship times consisted of me singing, I will call upon the Lord really slowly and intimately. And then building it up. <laughs> and then singing it really loud. And then doing like a salsa version, you know. And then, and then finally, a quiet sort of spoken word thing, you know. And um, so that's where it all began for me. But I tell you, somewhere in that place, my kind of worship aspirations changed, you know? I didn't know any better. I just was 16 years old, so I started writing songs immediately. They were terrible. But I lived in Georgia in the 80s, and there was just nothing. There were no bands. I mean, like Amy Grant and Striper were about it, and they were never going to come to where I lived. I mean, you know, it's hard to get up to hillbilly land. And um, so, you know, I started a little band, and we started playing around. And, um, but, you know, something was happening, and, and I think my worship aspirations changed a little bit, you know? And the years went by, and, you know, I, uh, you know, then the band, my band. <laughs> it's just so funny. It sounds like such a big deal. We were terrible. Um, just imagine a lot of turtlenecks. I mean, it was terrible. Um, and then, you know, I, I went solo from my band for a few years. <laughs> I sang these real beautiful little songs about, you know, how, I don't know. It, just, it was just that sort of time. And then my worship aspirations changed again because I went to YWAM. And I wanted so badly to get to lead worship at my YWAM base. But we had like, you know, by this point, everyone had found a guitar and learned to play I Will Call Upon the Lord. Everyone. <laughs> and all of Christendom had learned my song. And, and so um, I just didn't get a look in. But I wanted it so bad. Like I wanted so bad to do it, you know. I wanted so bad to be on the stage and get to sing those songs. And it wasn't like I wanted to be on the stage under the lights. Well, I mean, a little bit. Maybe a lot. But I really just wanted to like, you know, lead worship. You know, and then, you know, we started this thing called the factory and we accidentally started a band and that band kind of picked up some speed. And then, 
you know, all these things happen, and you kind of go through all this stuff, and on every stage in this, you know, your worship aspirations change. But, you know, here we are now, and what year is it? 2019. I need to get some sleep, Harmony. Um, Here we are in 2019, and what are our worship aspirations as a people? What are our worship aspirations as a tribe? Because whatever we set our aspirations on, then that's what we will be marked by in terms of what we're disappointed when we don't see it. Does it make sense? So when you set your hope in something and it doesn't happen, then we live in a constant state of disappointment. You know, we're all a big old sensitive bunch, aren't we? If you're here. It's okay. Like we, We're safe in here, Okay. <laughs> I know I'm a teaching pastor, but y'all are my real tribe, all right? I kind of snuck in, right? All right? <laughs> we're all real sensitive, and we're, we carry all that stuff when our aspirations aren't fulfilled, don't we? We carry it deep. We carry it deep when our song doesn't make the set. We carry it deep when we didn't get that shot to lead worship at the worship retreat. We carry it deep when the road has come out, and we're like on once for nine weeks. We carry it deep and we feel like we had a word from the Lord that we would lead nations into worship. And so far, nations has looked like, you know, the 10 kids on Sunday morning. Or when we felt like we had a song from the Lord and everyone else thinks it's not really that good. You know? Y'all don't know whether to laugh or cry right now, do you? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I, I was, I, honestly, I'm not trying to be super dramatic. I just, y'all are like, so deer in the headlights out there. It's okay. I pray it's going to be okay. I'm not going to like yell at you. All right. I, th- I think I have a, I think I have a word from the Lord. I think it's going to make you feel better. He always does that, doesn't he? See, because we bring all that stuff, and, and we probably brought a lot of that here, didn't we? Like for some of you, you're here and, and you're you're carrying it. Like it's it's like this like this open wound, you know. And and you you hide it. You know, we make our little jokes and we laugh and we do all that stuff, but we're, we're carrying that kind of unfulfilled aspiration, that unfulfilled hope. And here's what I just believe the Lord wants to say to us tonight. I just believe Jesus wants to give us new aspirations. I just believe that Jesus wants to take a lot of that stuff that that maybe we're living in disappointment around, and he wants to push it down and go, here is where you set your hope, and it's me. So this passage of Scripture has just been so powerful to me in these days. And I want to read it to you. It's from Joshua 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And here's what's happening here in this moment. The people are finally on the edge. They're at the edge of the Jordan. Finally, after all that they've paid, after all the wandering, after all the death, after a whole generation except for Joshua and Caleb had passed away, after years of manna, after all of this waiting, they are right on the border but it is a way they have never been before. And so what these guys do is they go, look, 
Because by this point, man, there's tons of them. I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And they need to know where to go. And so the, the officers go around going, look, when you see the priests and they're carrying the ark of the covenant, and the ark of the covenant was carrying the actual presence, the presence of God. When you see that, then you follow that and you'll know where to go. But here's the deal. This is where they were going. They're going to a river that's in a full-on flood. So listen to this. This is what happens. We're going to break on down and go down to verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So all the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and they stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Now here's what I want to say to us. As I've been thinking so much about what our worship aspirations are, what we're dreaming of, what we're reaching for, all this kind of stuff, I just could not get away from that picture of those priests, those Levites carrying the presence of God and coming up to that river. And can you imagine that moment? The Jordan is in full flood. And Joshua says, step into the river. And they're like, are you sure? (laughs) I mean, I know you told us about the Red Sea and everything, but we ain't seen it right? Because it was a miracle for their time. And man, we're in a movement, a miracle movement. But it's time for the miracles of our time. I love Wimber. I love all the old stories, but I want the new ones. That doesn't in any way, that's like, in, we honor that, but man, we raise our eyes to new aspirations, don't we? And I just imagine those guys taking that first tentative step into those raging waters and think of what they're doing. They're like, man, we have got the ark. We've got the, the, the ark of the covenant. And they're stepping into this raging flood river. And just as they step in, the waters pile up. And those waters are standing up, standing up. And they're standing there. And that moment must have been a moment of unbelievable exhilaration. Can you imagine what it felt like to be one of those priests carrying that ark and standing there on dry ground, the water standing up right next to you? And you're like, this is awesome. Don't look at the water. This is awesome. Don't look at the water because there's this raging flood right there. And then the people begin to cross over. And here's the thing. Thousands and thousands And thousands of people had to cross over. And it's a beautiful story, but imagine the reality of what it must have been like to stand there with that heavy ark, with the water right there for all that time, your feet sinking into that muddy ground, just trying to hold the line. And here's what I believe. I believe that as a tribe and as worshipers, we are those people. Well, Our greatest aspiration is to stand in the river and hold back so the people can cross to the promised land. See, because when we actually recognize that we're actually called to step into this dangerous flood, then we know it. We we, we know we need a miracle. We know it's beyond us. Not a single Levite walked up to that river going, I got a great plan here. They're all going, I have to have a miracle. 
And none of us need to come with the best set list. We got to come every time to anything we do around worship with, I've got to have you. I've got to have you in the gap for me, Lord. I've got to have that miracle. I've got to have that thing of your presence. I can't just come with a good collection of songs. I can't just come with a great track. I can't just come with in-ears and click tracks on all our things. And I love all those things. I've got to have the miracle that stops the water so the people can cross into the promised land. Because see, when that's our aspiration, <laughs> then when our shoulders get tired because the presence is heavy sometimes, or when the sun's beating down as the people cross, when we're standing there just trying to hold the line, stay together, don't drop the presence, carrying the presence for the people, then we're not disappointed because that's what we signed up for, right? So whether I play on Sunday morning <laughs> or whatever, I signed up to get people to the promised land. That's it. I signed up to stand in the river. I signed up to stand here holding the presence so the people could cross over. I didn't sign up to be celebrated. I didn't sign up to get a record deal. I didn't sign up to get to be on a stage. I didn't sign up for any of that. I signed up for a single thing. I signed up to stand here and make a way for people to go to where they were always born to be. And you know, in a couple things that you see happen there, there's something that is so powerful to me that that little passage in the scripture carries on, that the water piles up in this town, Adam. Because they can't see that. They see the miracle that's happening in that place. But what they don't see is that somewhere way upriver, the water is piling up. And for some of you, for some of you guys, you have been standing in the river for so long. And here's what you don't see. Somewhere else, the water is piling up and his presence is moving. And you are making a path for it. You're making a way. You're making a way. You slogged for so long and you're so tired. And there's a whole part of you that just wants to quit. And the, and, the, and the word of the Lord for us tonight is, man, let's hold our ground until the people cross over. And I just want to leave you with this. Like I said, I really want to just say this quick word to you, and then I'm going to pray for you. Who are the people to cross over? Well, there's a couple things. One, if you read on, you'll find out that at the very end, the very last bit of the crossing is these men armed for battle cross over. And of course, the reason these men armed for battle cross over is because they're going to take the land that was theirs, right? They're the final ones that cross over before Joshua calls them out of the river. And for us, there's a role that we play where we, what we're doing is we're making a way for, for warriors to, to cross. We're making way for women and men who are, who are ready, ready not to fight against culture or any of that stuff, but to, man, do this life and death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. To battle for the heart and soul of our nations. Not just to battle for a good worship time at our church, but to battle for our cities to resound with the sound of hope again. Because the people who need to cross over aren't our churches. Yeah, of course. Man, here's who I think God wants us to help cross over right now. It's our cities. I think sometimes we've been so disappointed 
because we need to lead worship in our churches and God's going, I made you for the cities. Sometimes we've looked so inward and God is raising our eyes up outward again to go, I know you can teach a church how to worship. What does it mean to teach a city to worship? What does it mean to unlock the presence of God over a city? What does it mean to set healing so free in a city that it can't be contained in a church building anymore? That we're not writing songs anymore to be sung from church platforms. We're writing songs to ring across cities, setting people free, breaking the chains of injustice, breaking the chains of depression, breaking the spirit of suicide, breaking the spirit of addiction. These songs, these sounds, these, these voices lifted up, voices and songs and words that are found when you're standing there holding the presence for so long that your arms breaking and your knees are quaking, but somewhere in there you're making a way and the people get to where they've always been meant to be. Because then we don't live in a constant state of semi-disappointment. <sighs> then we go, this is what I signed up for. Show me where the river is. And a little while later, Joshua calls them out of the river once the people have all called. And can you imagine that moment? They put the ark down. I bet there were people like, brother, I didn't know how much longer I could do that. They're all patting each other on the back. This isn't in the Bible. I'm just making this up. So this could be totally, this could be total apostasy. But I feel like that's probably what happened. I can't, I mean, I mean, sure that after the big kind of sacred moment there, they were like, that was awesome. <laughs> My arms will never work again. You know, high five me. I'd love to, but... And what do they do? They do it again later. It's not a river this time. It's just the next stage of the battle. But here's the thing. Fam, <laughs> tribe, I think we're at the edge of the river. Don't you feel like it? Don't you think the next thing's on the horizon? Don't you think we're standing on the edge of something? Don't you? Don't you think that deep down this can't be what it's all about just this. Don't you think there must be more? Don't you read the book of Acts and go, for heaven's sakes, why not here? Why not now? Doesn't something rumble within you and go, good gracious, I don't, I want to see it while I'm still in the land of the living. I want to hear the streets resound with the sound of hallelujah. I want to see my nation transformed. I want the river that goes through cold rain to not separate us. Protestant Catholic anymore. I want it to be a place where we all come down to the river together. And something breaks out that can't be written at Stormont because something's written in our hearts because we made a way for the people to cross into the promised land that we were all born for, for our cities. Dare we dream bigger than our churches? Dare we dream bigger than our stages and our conferences and all this stuff, all these aspirations that we live in such disappointment around? Dare we lay it all down tonight and say, actually, here's what I want. I will stand in the river until I can't stand anymore if your people can cross over because that's what you, sisters and brothers, are called to do. You are our people who go ahead of us and stop up the river. You are the people who step into the raging flood. You are the people who make a way for the rest of us to walk over and finally be in the land of milk and honey, the promised homeland that God has promised not just us in the vineyard, but all the people.
And the Father calls, calls them all, calling them all. And I think we could reset our aspirations tonight. We can write a new story. A new story. As the psalmist says, that a generation yet unborn will praise the name of the Lord. Why don't we stand together?